Hello, welcome to the podcast Election Night. My name is Chit Ritmeister. I'm hosting the show together with Andre Silvera, my fellow European. Andre, welcome. Hello, everyone, and hello, Cheered. In this podcast, we are discussing the US elections that will happen in November. In this edition, we're specifically going to discuss the Nevada debate that happened on Thursday morning, European time, Wednesday evening, American time. The debate happened in Las Vegas, in the US state of Nevada, where the Democratic Party came together and the big shots of the party who all want to become the next US president debated among each other the big topics that will probably happen during the whole campaign leading up to the US election itself, where they have to fight against the current US president, Donald Trump. Andre, both of us, we, well, either we woke up very early or we stayed up the whole night to watch this election, to watch this debate. It was a very entertaining debate, right? Yes, and above all, it was a different debate in the sense that this was, this debate was definitely more aggressive, more freewheeling, and where uh, Democrats in fact much more between them. Uh, past debates, there were some skirmishes. Uh, but overall, there was a friendly environment. Uh, but this debate, there wasn't. This debate was very nasty, even at some points, uh, where all of them unleashed uh, very big attacks on Michael Bloomberg. But also between, for example, Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar, there was lots of tension at some point. And even between Sanders and Buttigieg. So it was a very intense, very aggressive debate. And it was not not usual to be this kind of debates. There was also way more way more uh, in fact between Democratic candidates and much less Trump. Well, I completely agree with you. Normally, when normally I always doubt a little bit if I should stay up or if I should just watch the recording because a lot of these debates are not that interesting at all. And actually, often you see that uh, you often see that not all the candidates are there but now especially with the democratic party having so many big candidates who are still fighting with each other who are still who is still not clear who will become the next uh, candidate normally around this time you, you, well you have an idea at least who is the big favorite and there are favorites there is maybe even one bigger bigger favorite but not not like this such a plural field such a field with so many big names and they were all there and it didn't disappoint. Well, some disappointed, but the entertainment value, at least, of the whole debate didn't disappoint. I think you agree with me on that, right? Definitely. As I said, it was very entertaining and very different than other debates because of the more hostile environment. Exactly. Well, first of all, uh, let's talk a little bit about the candidates who were there. Let's talk about the losers of tonight. Okay, that sounds a little bit harsh because... Loser is not a really nice word to say, of course, but I think it's uh, it's 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 it actually there was one big loser in this specific fight. I think we can both agree that Mike Bloomberg, although we didn't know what to expect because he hadn't appeared in the debate since he was running for mayor, um, and that was uh, quite a few years ago, he disappointed. Definitely, but look, this was the Bloomberg debate. This was the first time that he would appear as a presidential candidate in a non-friendly environment. Because until now, hundreds of millions of Americans have watched Bloomberg in TV ads or in interviews. Uh, but they haven't watched him in an environment that he, with competitors, with uh, moderators that would push him and with a crowd that would booing him. So this was the first time it would be uh, the, the, the first real test for Michael Bloomberg and it didn't pass. It was really bad. It was an horrific performance. Um, he was attacked on everything. I think he didn't expect it to be this, this, this level of attacks. Uh, I think everyone would expect like to be attacked, but not like this by everyone without any exception. And uh, he didn't perform well. He couldn't re respond to any of the the attacks, the accusations. He, and he, even his talking points uh, didn't sound really appealing to the Democrats. I mean, he talks a lot. He, he talked very little. He was the, the, the candidate who spoke the least. And 
um, the times he talked, it was more appealing, I would say, to a generic Republican uh, debate, gen generic Republican audience than the Democratic audience. He talks a lot about, I have I've built a business, um, he accused Bernie of being a socialist, and that would appeal more uh, to a republic, a generic Republican base. To a democratic one, I don't think they were impressed by what he said. Well, I actually, I do. Comp of course, um, we both agree that Mike Bloomberg was uh, was was a disappointment, the loser of uh, of the of, of that specific debate. I don't agree with you that uh, he, he wasn't he sh well, he probably wasn't prepared because most of the topics that were discussed there were no surprises. I mean. Everything from sexism to racism to um, his being a billionaire. That are the things he could have expected, right? I mean, there was nothing being raised during the whole evening that you wouldn't prepare in, in a normal uh, for, a, for, for any debate. You're Mike Bloomberg. This, you know this will be your first big uh, debate. You know you have a really big shot uh, at the presidency or at least at the nomination right now. You have amassed a team of experts who know everything about um, about the U.S. election. I mean, he throws he threw so much money at it. Leading up to the debate, he saw that the media was fuming against him or praising him, depending a little bit on who you were reading. But everyone was noting him, was notifying him, was no, was following him. Then there were these candidates like Biden, Warren, uh, Kubitschek, um, uh, and geek who are like his main opponents, you know, a little bit on the middle, who he has to defeat because he is he is the one who can do it. He is the one who is the alternative to the guy who can actually defeat Trump. That are his main opponents. I mean, Bernie Sanders, of course, is far more on the left from him. But how could he have not expected those attacks? I mean, the worst thing is, and that is something I actually think happened, he did expect those attacks. He just froze up on the stage. He was just frozen. And that's also how he looked like. He looked super uncomfortable. I mean, I was mostly watching his body language and I was watching how he reacted to it, but he just let the attacks happen and happen. He didn't show any emotion. He didn't even show frustration, you know? I mean, that's what I want to see. I want to see how a candidate becomes, he doesn't have to be frustrated, but you know, you want, you want a fierce attack and there were enough points he could have retaliated on. But the only thing he's saying, Look, for example, I, I don't know who anyone was saying it, but someone said, like, uh, Elizabeth Warren said, uh, you said these sexist things, uh, Mike Bloomberg. And the only the only thing he replied with was like, but I'm Mike Bloomberg and I can be the good alternative to the Trump. He was just like he had this story in his head that he repeated over and over again. And no matter what any other candidate said to, to him, what uh, how they attacked him, he was only saying the same thing the whole time, the whole time. That and that seems very unnatural, in my opinion. How 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 do you see that? Yes, I mean it's obvious that uh, there are, there is someone in his in his campaign in his camp that says that prepares him to the debates. But the thing is that he, he couldn't perform, he couldn't do anything. So he, 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 normally the, the debate coaches also prepare for moments uh, of extreme stress. Uh, to not frozen because frozen is the worst thing you can do because, because look um, this wasn't just a debate for Democrats it, it was a debate to show who could beat Trump who could have the high energy to face Trump in debates and in a whole campaign and he showed he couldn't do it I mean look he, he says he's a good alternative uh, and there is a case for it he says he could get grab all the the moderate votes and beat Trump but he uh, needs to, Democrats look at him and see a man without any energy completely being savaged on stage. And he, 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 that image hurts him to beat Trump because a, any candidate who needs to beat Trump needs to be high energy, who can, uh, who can beat the attacks and so on. And he, he, couldn't, he couldn't do it. Well, exactly, um, Andre. Exactly, and and that's the thing that that really uh, surprised me because if he is the candidate who is well, let's you can you he doesn't want to be called the Democratic Trump, of course. That's that's what his opponent uh, his opponent say. But at least you have to be, you know, there's this kind of independent guy 
who can come up to the stage and who can give a performance right out of his sleeve almost, who didn't actually, he gives the impression he doesn't need even any preparation because he is not a politician. He's not, he's not like the other one, but it seems like he's not, he's, he's not even, he's not even uh, this original guy like, like Trump claims he is himself. And let's be honest. I mean, most of these, those attacks that he was, you know, those, those kinds of indirect racism attacks and sexism attacks and on on the issues and that becoming a billionaire yet yeah, i mean that are fierce attacks but you can't counter them for any of the attacks that were mentioned i think there were really good counter arguments he could offer De definitely and and other democrats have also dirt on their on their backs many of them elizabeth warren she was a republican herself uh, and uh, she had the native american issue because she pretended to be native american and all of can uh, biden voted for the the crime bill that's considered quite racist. All candidates have some dirt. I don't know if that's comparable to Bloomberg or not, but it could be diverted. His attacks could be diverted. And, they, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't point out that. And uh, I mean, uh, this, is, this shows, I mean, we, we will have another debate. Uh, we'll see how we, how we will perform. But I'm not sure. Let's see if we will be best prepared. Uh, I think the next debate is on Tuesday in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, we will. Well, that, but the that's, thing is that that's the, that's the best what they can hope for because I mean uh, at least now he's used to the stage and he knows how it uh, how it was. It can uh, probably cannot be much worse than than this one. So if in the next stage he at least he has better answers to the attacks he has. Uh, we have to see how it will end up in the polls. I mean his luck is that he's not on the Nevada ballot. He's also not on the South Carolina ballot. So he still has time to completely divert this. There are also not all the Americans who follow this, who read this. So there is a, there's a lot of leverage for him. Yes, to I mean, if he yeah. wasn't that comfortable in the debate stage and he made it clear that he didn't like the, the, the format of the debates, if he wasn't that comfortable, I think he should have, shouldn't have gone to the debates. To these, deba these two debates, and he would save himself to a Super Tuesday debate where he could be better prepared, maybe. But uh, I mean, if he, he there was the confirmation that he would be on the debate was like two days before the debate itself, because he was uh, pending on a, an, an extra poll that would uh, give him more than ten percent, and only after that poll he would uh, he would be allowed in the debate stage. Though it was more or less predictable that he would be on the debate stage because his polls are quite high, and anyway, he could you would have done it. But he could he could I mean he could di divert this. He could be better save himself. Uh, maybe try to grow more in the shadows because shielded by his TV heads without confrontation. And it would be better that put him himself in this hostile environment and be be completely savage. You, yeah, yes, you are right, uh, Andre. You're completely right. And I also think, like, look, what I do think is that in the media we saw a lot of attacks and also by other candidates that they were saying, like, look, Mike Bloomberg is only spending his money now on big advertisements and he does this so there is no time for television to, uh, criticism on him. He's not on the issues. He's not debating anything. Like, well, he's not going deep into the issues. And I think his campaign and maybe himself as well were saying, like, look, this is an opportunity maybe to go on the stage and show them, look, we are talking about the issues as well. We, we can do both. But it completely backfired. It completely backfired. And now they probably have to spend even more <laughs> millions or billions of dollars to buy. <laughs> yeah, to forget this. And uh, But the other candidates won't forget this. Well, yes. we talked about uh, Mike Bloomberg a lot. Let me just say one, one more thing. Yeah, sure. Um, this debate had a record viewership of debates. It had like nearly 20 million people watching the debate. Normally, the audience is around 5-8 million. And this debate had 20 million people, more than the Golden, Golden, more than the Golden Globes and the Grammys. So it was, everyone was expecting a, at least a good performance by Bloomberg. He should have surprised everyone because there was so much viewership because of him. But he didn't perform, and uh, it, it, it isn't a great start for him. It is not, I mean, it will not kill this campaign, but it didn't improve his change, chances. I agree. But we shouldn't also forget, we don't know exactly who the viewers are, right? I mean, they can be Republicans, yeah. can be anything, anyone. And 20 million on a US level is still, of course, yeah, but normally, a lot yeah, of ground to cover. Normally, it's five mil, five, 8 million viewership. 
No, of course. But of course, it has to do with all the big candidates being here. It was a very important uh, opportunity. But he didn't grab on it. So uh, he was clearly the big loser of that night. I mean, in the last podcast, I was said he was uh, my favorite or one of my favorites. Uh, I started to doubt that. Uh, <laughs> started to doubt that statement. Uh, I don't have an alternative yet, but we'll see uh, later on if I change it. Uh, enough about Bloomberg. Do you believe there were more losers of the night? We saw a lot of attacks on Bernie Sanders, but he retaliated way better he, than he uh, Bloomberg. Very well, Sanders. And I think uh, Buttigieg uh, attacked a lot, and some of his attacks kind of backfired. I mean, he focused too much on. Uh, Amy Klobuchar not knowing the name of the Mexican president. I mean, and he attacked a bit Bernie Sanders, and this attack kind of backfired. Uh, he's attacked Bernie Sanders on the 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 violence, not at least online violence of his supporters. And Bernie Sanders very uh, smartly diverted that, saying that they could be Russian bo Russian bots, saying that Russia intervened in the last election. Who knows? They could be intervening now, which I think it was a very smart way of diverting this attack. So I think Buttigieg, I won't call him a loser of the night, but I think he wasn't that good. I think uh, well, actually, I do think I, I do think his attacks definitely on Saunders and maybe on Klobuchar as well were not were not um, amazing. But I think Buttigieg, well, he's still it's still a difficult name for me to pronounce. But Buttigieg was still very uh, he, he surprised me. He was good. He's he's not very high on my list of favorite candidates, but he was good actually. For example, when uh, and Bernie Sanders was saying, "Look, uh, Pete." You have like uh, all you have all billionaires on your list of donations. That's for who you depend upon. You have like thirty something billionaires on your uh, on your endorsement list, and I I don't have any billionaire or not many, and and I mainly have the common people. And Pete was saying, yeah, yeah, look, that's true. I do have those billionaires, but I also have I have hundreds of thousands of normal people supporting me. So why are you only focusing on those few billionaires? That's that's not fair. And I think Pete is right on that. I mean, yeah, we are maybe over we're overlooking a little bit the power of of the of of, of the 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 presentation of the uh, billionaires in his endorsement list. While there are still hundreds of thousands of normal Americans uh, who are supporting him. And I think that was a very good response of him, showing he is also a candidate of the people, or at least a part of the people. And overall, he was sharp. He seemed to be very much on the topics. Uh, I think on healthcare, he was not amazing, but, um, but I wouldn't call him uh, one of the losers of the night. No, no, I, I wouldn't call him either. I, th I think it wasn't a, just a great performance. It wasn't a bad one. And uh, I think he, he was very smart. There was a moment I liked from him uh, when saying that, uh, why not choose a Democrat? Because uh, this right now we have like two big candidates, Bloomberg and Sanders, who are kind of polarizing the democratic field. And they are not, I mean, they are Democrats now, but they are not real Democrats in the sense that Sanders was always an independent all his life, and he, he pledged his allegiance to the Democratic Party in the Senate. But he wasn't; he's an independent after all, and runs as Democrat in elections. And Bloomberg was a Republican, was an independent, and is now a Democrat. And we are seeing like this polarization between two people that not, are not hardcore uh, Democrats. True, true, true. And Buttigieg was like saying, "Vote for vote for a Democrat. We are in the Democratic Party. That's cool." True. And what I want to say about um, the Buttigieg as well, and about Sanders as well, I mean, it was Buttigieg as well who started to use the term socialist uh, towards Bernie Sanders. And that's a very damaging, uh, uh, very damaging label to have in the US. I mean, I know Bernie Sanders used the concept himself as well, but in a clearly different context. But socialism has very negative perceptions. There was lately also a new poll uh, in the US on that in the States. So the more that word is going to repeat it in the upcoming debates, in the upcoming, uh, in the upcoming campaign, that actually, I think, might hurt Bernie Sanders. Yes, I, 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 I doubt it could hurt that much because, I mean, Bernie Sanders is presenting as a socialist since always. So, I mean, everyone knows him as a socialist and he kind of, kind of wears that as a badge of honor. So it's not like new news for anyone that uh, he is a socialist. I, I doubt he could he could hurt him some that that could hurt his chance chances in the nomination. 
it's not new, but there is a negative perception around towards yes, socialism exactly. in America, and he uses it as a badge of honor, completely aware of that, and it's completely true, but also, let's be honest, he never, besides becoming the senator, of course, he never came further than that. He never lost her last year, he lost in the end. And I think also in a, in a president election, that will be a very heated topic. And you see in this polarizing world, when there is already within the Democratic Party a big fight on that word socialism within the Republican world, there is even there is hundred yeah. percent consensus. Oh, it's a bad thing. Definitely in the yeah. in, if faces Trump in the in the Republic in the national election, it will have impact, no doubt about it. In the democratic field, well, some people might not like it, but I, I don't think it will hurt him. And the fact that he is kind of ahead of so many contests, I doubt it, it will hurt him to use that much the word socialist. It won't hurt him among the supporters he already has, but I do believe, and I, I did see that within this debate when they started to use the word socialist, he started to retract on it. He was not wearing it proudly anymore because he was completely aware of how it might be perceived by other voters. And you have to be aware of that because that might cost you the presidency in the end. But would you go as far to say that uh, Bernie Sanders was a winner of the night? Yes, I would say it. I mean, the winner technically of the debate was uh, Elizabeth Warren, I think, because she was I mean, very sharp. Yes, she was the best, let's say, the best athlete of the debate. She was the best athlete of the debate. I think Bernie Sanders is a winner as well. Why? Because he was a front runner going to this debate. Uh, he was the favorite. She, he should be the target of all the, the attacks, but he came out of the debate and scattered. So he was, he was not hurt at all. Uh, no one attacked him that much. Uh, sometimes with Buttigieg and um, Warren makes some references, but look, Warren attacks everyone almost very sharply, but Bernie Sanders. He makes some references, but he, he was not very attacked and he could divert some, some slight uh, attacks that were made to him. So I think he, as a frontrunner, when the debate goes well to you, you, you are a winner as well. Well, very true. And so far, what we have to say about Elizabeth Warren, and I was actually before the whole election thing came up and she saw she became a candidate content wise on the points. Maybe I'm even, you know, she was my my favorite. But when she was in her campaign, she was very disappointing. She doesn't she didn't seem like the candidate. And this we discussed as well in the previous podcast, but she didn't seem like a candidate who is like used to campaigning, who, who is up to becoming a president. But this, this debate, she was sharp, she was attacking. I do think she was attacking Sanders, I ju just think he wasn't hurt by her attacks. Um, you said, I also think, to be honest, that she wasn't attacking Joe Biden too much. It seems they were alley allying up even, especially yeah, in yeah. attacks on Bloomberg. Definitely. Yeah, and those candidates, of course, That that's, of course, very important to mention because in the end, those kind of candidates um, also, well, they depend a little bit on the same pool of voters, a little bit on the middle or on the middle right of the of the of the party. Um, so that's an important uh, important observation to make. Furthermore, it's also important to say that at some point Elizabeth Warren said, "Look, whoever becomes the Democratic nominee, we will support him." So I I yes, think yes, that yes. I yeah I always think that's very interesting and very laughable because she was almost comparing Bloomberg to Trump. He's a sexist. He's a racist. Yes, he's yes. this. He's that. But in the end, she says even if you become it, I will support you. It's actually quite interesting, right? Yes, definitely. I was surprised, uh, but uh, yeah, she she kind of uh, um, pledged her allegiance to him, but it was in a very mitigated way. So. Uh, I don't think it will have that much impact. I think with Warren, um, she she has a problem that's called Bernie Sanders, and she can't uh, progress much more in polls without Bernie Sanders go down. Though she has uh, uh, supporters or people who could su who support now Buttigieg and Klobuchar that could go to her. But I mean, without Bernie Sanders going down, which is not going to happen, I think I, she she will not progress that much. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's all all a little bit on the liberal field, but that's a problem with Elizabeth Warren because 
there are too many candidates for her. And that's what I was saying as well with Joe Biden. They are both, I mean, especially her, they are both a little bit depending on the same pool of voters. And if it was just Elizabeth Warren against Bernie Sanders, I think she might might have actually made it. And it might be surprising to you or to anyone. But I think she might have a better chance because all those other voters would be much easier and comfortable to rally up behind her. If she was just up to Joe Biden, same thing, you know? I mean, like she could easily have got the votes from the Bernie Sanders kind of people that Joe Biden might never had. So um, she, she is a little bit a candidate who can represent everyone, but that's also a danger because then you don't actually have an identity at all. And she has to become identifiable. She has to become well, recognizable for the voters. And at the moment, she's not. I don't think, I don't know if the debate changed that, but I do think it was a very good starting point. So I hope her her campaign sees this as a turning point. And from now on, Elizabeth Warren hopefully rises in the polls and she keeps up this good kind of work. Um, well, the winners of tonight were clearly Elizabeth Warren and as you say, Bernie Sanders. I can completely agree on that. Do you think there were more winners or was the rest a little bit in the middle? How do, no. you think, how do you think Joe Biden did? Uh, Joe Biden did well. Uh, and I think uh, with Biden, um, there, there is something that's good for him, which is um, Michael Bloomberg did very bad. So we could pick uh, some voters that abandoned him for, for the former New York mayor. Uh, so that, that's, a, that's a good thing for him. Uh, but yes, the, the Biden pitch was very interesting, which was basically uh, saying, uh, "I can, I, I'm doing it. What you are debating now, I healthcare, he says, I have approved it in the Senate. Uh, gun lobby, I've beat the NRA two times. Uh, everything, the China, I've talked to them so many times. I don't know, but he says I've talked to them so many times. He says I have the experience, I have the record." To, to do what you are still debating, which is a very good pitch to him. I'm not sure he could he, he, he could uh, get much more votes. Um, yeah, well, we have to see on that. I think he was a little bit blunt, but in the end, he, he was fine. Well, I mean, he was. He, you expect Joe Biden to dominate, to dominate if he's the candidate. He has, you know. I mean, everyone is fighting, and you expect Joe Biden to rise up in the middle like this, kind of comfortable. Well, let's call him a little bit of all, all, all candidates. I think all candidates did well at a, at Bloomberg's expense. So yeah. I think more or less all did uh, fairly well. Some more than others, but did fairly well. I think Biden. The best news is if uh, if uh, Bloomberg stagnates, he can pick some uh, votes back, which is a, a good news to him. Definitely. Uh, let's go a little bit deeper into the issues, uh, Andre. I mean, there is one specific team I want to get out because it's also very important in Nevada and especially in the Bernie Sanders campaign that even led to some conflict. That's the healthcare issue. Uh, how did you perceive the discussion there? The, the healthcare issue is uh, important because um, some candidates in the Democratic Party are trying to, to say uh, Bernie Sanders' uh, healthcare program will take away the, um, the healthcare for the private healthcare that millions of Americans have. That will be in the, that will be a, a line of attack that will be much used by Republicans in the in the election, the national election if Bernie Sanders is the candidate, of course. But it is a line that is attacked now because many unions have already uh, private insurance sorted out for their members. And uh, many unions are going in conflict with Sanders' campaign, and it happened in the the culinary union in Nevada, and uh, there were some problems there. Basically, the, the culinary union that represents uh, thousands of uh, workers of the um, hospitality uh, industry, they kind of endorsed all candidates but Bernie Sanders, and uh, that was a line of attack used by Buttigieg. Even by Bloomberg, he said he referenced that, and uh, yes, he, he, it's an issue that Ber Bernie Sanders' campaign needs to be prepared because they are going to be attacked on it. Well, I perceive it more definitely in that Nevada debate that that an endorsement for all. I don't think well, but Bernie Sanders, but I believe it was they were especially critical on his Medicare for all, right? 
but he's not the only candidate who is supporting that. Elizabeth Warren is the same, has the same, um, is, 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 has the same uh, topic. She has the same uh, policy view. She also wants Medicare for all. And she perceived that, like, she started saying, like, look, this culinary union, they have amazing healthcare, healthcare uh, facilities, and I really want that to spread around the US. But in the end, it's about that everyone has access to uh, healthcare whatsoever. But let's be honest, uh, Elizabeth Warren, you have the same policy as Bernie Sanders on this. And the only difference, and she was mentioning this, the only difference is, is that Bernie Sanders is a firebrand. So his kind of politics probably will make it less likely that such big changes within the American system can ever happen because for that you need a very broad level of support. And Elizabeth Warren claimed she's far more likable among other policymakers, among other government officials to realize such policies. I think that was a strong point, but in the end she had the same kind of, uh, she has the same kind of uh, policy view. And I don't believe that they were really going into her. It was mostly about Bernie Sanders. I mean, even Pete Buttigieg at some point, he is accepting that that Medicare for all can happen. So the whole criticism just on Bernie Sanders, is it really about what his view is? I mean, maybe from a culinary perspective it is, but there are many more candidates who have that kind of uh, view. Yes, but it's it's not as I mean radical as Sanders, and that makes a difference. I mean, with Buttigieg, is all candidates. I think I'm not very into the healthcare issue in particular, but all candidates have like a Obamacare Plus kind of program. I think. Yeah, and, but which is weird. If you ask me, that is pretty weird, Andre. Because if you look at Obamacare, if you look at Obama, he wanted to have much more, and Obamacare in the end was what was maximum reachable at that time. And it was a great step forward, but it's not perfect. And Obama is the first one to admit that, to admit to that. It helped many Americans, but again, it's not perfect. There are still many uncovered. It's still very difficult uh, for some people to get into. It can still be very expensive. And then you see those candidates who want to realize change and they want some Obamacare Plus. But what does that plus mean? It means more public choices, that people have more to choose. But in the end, that means a lot of public money going to specific kind of funds where a lot of the poor, of the of the uneducated people, of the unhealthy people go into. So such insurance with the premiums, premiums and probably facilitated by the state will be very expensive for the taxpayers. And then you have private ones where all the re- wealthy, healthy, young people are in, are in. And that will be a very more competitive ones. But those are never reachable for the common people. And then you have this misbalance, this mismatch in the US states, and it will become even more showing if you have more and more opportunities, I believe. And also if you have not in the end, but okay, but it is not that big change that you want to see. And then on the other hand, you have Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, and maybe a little bit Pete Buttigieg, who are actually wanted the Medicare for all. I mean, I also don't believe that is a very realistic, I, I like the ID a little bit, but I don't think within the U.S. system that's a very realistic, uh, real, a realistic target. I mean, it, it is such a revolutionary, re- revolutionary change, and you have to have so many people on the same line. And even within the Democratic Party, you see already so much opposition to that. And you're right; some candidates like well, Kobichek, for example, uh, maybe even Pete Buttigieg himself, even Joe Biden, they are, they are not really big on that, you know. And Elizabeth Warren should be. She's now. Uh, she's now talking it down a little bit, but she should be big on it. And Bernie Sanders is really big on that because it's so, so important. But there is not that middle way with all the candidates are a realistic point of view. Where do they want this to go to? Is it this very far away and unrealistic target that will probably will never be reached like Bernie Sanders is saying? Or is it just expanding a system that is already there but doesn't in the end do much change because the same people who are now uncovered probably will still be uncovered and still have many very expensive choices to choose from and a very uh, expensive healthcare uh, system. So in the end, you don't have a you don't have a you don't have any candidate who offers a realistic but ambitious. Uh, policy and that's worrying. I think that's very worrying because Obamacare did give them the base, the opportunity to move further. Yes, definitely. But the, it's an issue 
the healthcare is an issue that it was it is on the on the debate for so for more than another years and they, they couldn't uh, sort out a, a, a universal uh, health co coverage i think the first person to have uh, to suggest uh, universal healthcare coverage was theodore roosevelt in uh, in 1913, I think, when he ran for president for the Progressive Party. I think it was the first time. Yet, they, they couldn't um, sort out that. And uh, I, it's more important now because uh, we have jobs now. There are sort of jobs being created that have like low term and not much quality. And so more people get uh, uncovered because before, uh, we have companies and we have jobs that guarantee almost for life the, the healthcare coverage. But right now, uh, jobs, mo many jobs at least, are not guaranteeing that because of the uh, low cost of these, these, these type of jobs. So there are more and more people that ask for another solution now. Well, yeah, that's true. But I also think you mentioned the universal healthcare or the universal, universal coverage uh, team. But that option is not even being discussed. And of course, I like it a lot because it's in the Netherlands. It's very successful. I'm not sure. I think in Portugal, it might be the same kind of idea. Yes, but it is different. Portugal system is very different from Netherlands. Portugal system is more like UK. Okay, so well, the Netherlands... Well, the role, the role of... Uh, yes, Portugal and UK, I think we could, we could uh, tell that's like socialized medicine. Or, okay. Well, in the Netherlands, that's, that's not different. that's not that's that's not the case. I mean, you do, but you have a system where there is where there's space for private insurers to compete yeah. with each other. But there is a very um, uh, well socialized or very yeah very socialized public system where the prices are being kept low and where everyone has access and where you have to be insured. So the prices even have to stay low. So there is no choice. You have to you have to have insurance, and that's not the case currently in America. And um, it might touch a little bit upon the idea like it's your own choice, but that's that whole difference between Europe and the American thing. I mean, in Europe, we think it's a responsibility of the state to take care of those things, to make sure that we are all insured, that we always have access. And in America, even among people who are not insured, there's still this perception. I I'm the boss in my own house. I, I decide what happens in my life. I decide who is my insurer, if I'm insured or not, if I pay for it. So there's this much more individualistic kind of approach than we have. And that's, of course, for Europeans, including myself, that's sometimes very difficult to comprehend why there is not uh, a big push on this. And that might explain why people like, well, for example, Biden and, and uh, Klobuchuk and whoever are not really pushing hard on it, despite... A little bit more on the Obamacare uh, base that's already there, but well, we have to see how this proceeds. Of course, I mean there are many all there are many other there are many other countries around the U.S., Canada, for example, and of course in Europe that offer a different kind of system. So over time, in an even more globalized world, Americans might change their mind, but we have to see on that. Um, the other topic I want to discuss with you, I mean, it was not very big, but it was mentioned during the debate. It was sexism. And uh, again, Mike Bloomberg was attacked on it. He used some, well, not so nice words to uh, to label women. I mean, in the end, he kind of argued even that he never really said it or never really intended it like that. But, in the, but still, it's a very big theme of today. Correct? Yes, no doubt about it. And the, the, the big issue, Bloomberg has not only was attacked on the words he said, but also on the non-disclosure agreements uh, he, he has in place, which is, I mean, I think, I, I'm not sure, but he has dozens of them. Not sure if he's, the, the right number is 64, but he has many of them. Of course, we don't know how many of these NDAs are because of sexism or because of inappropriate behavior. It can be all other things, but we are, we are not even sure if he's guilty or not. It's not, not it's a, that's because it's a non-disclosure non agreement. We don't know anything about it, but uh, he couldn't respond to that. He was really frozen on that issue. And uh, it's, I, we'll see because with Trump and the Republican base, the Republicans, most of them didn't care that much. With Democrats, I think they, they, they care a little more about this. 
No, that's true. But but as Europeans, again, as Europeans, of course, this team is also coming up and definitely in the Me Too kind of movement and the kind of um, also women have to get the same kind of salaries and that's uh, the same kind of job opportunities and have to be better represented in top level positions. Um, so the disba- this debate is definitely also going on in Europe as well. But the kind of polarization on sexism in America is even on another level. How, how do you as a European see this? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 complicated because, as you said, I mean, I, I have the perspective here, but in America, they are more strict around this issue of uh, feminism and, uh, and uh, the sexism in the workplace. And the Me Too movement is harder in America, maybe because in America, um, corporate America, at least there was more inappropriate behavior. I don't know. But um, yes, it's bigger issue there. And, um, and especially among the the left-leaning people there, let's say it. Well, definitely. And that's a very interesting, um, that's a very interesting position to look at. I, I do think that, I mean, Elizabeth Warren started with it right away. She was saying like, she used two different kind of demeanings for a uh, woman. I think she used something with a uh, lesbian something. And I, I don't remember the other word, but and she said, this was not Donald Trump who said it. This was Mike Bloomberg. That was a very good start <laughs> start of the debate. Definitely, if you very realize. strong moment, very yes. strong moment, because she was like equating the Michael Bloomberg to 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 Trump. Yes, and then you and then you definitely re, and then you definitely realize how big this is. Definitely within the Democratic Party. I mean, in the Republican Party, you probably will care a little bit less, but in the Democratic Party, this is a very important, uh, a very important topic. And that's why so that's also why I like that Elizabeth Warren was so strong on it. Because she really showed herself, look, like I'm a woman and I don't tolerate this kind of behavior, and we can do this as well. It can do this as well, and especially when there were so many questions in the last U.S. election with Hillary Clinton about the sexism being used there, she's not showing any fear, so she's strong. And then we have this other very strong female candidate, Amy Klobuchar, and she is the same kind of approach. You know, I mean, like they show we don't care, we don't accept this kind of behavior, and we are strong candidates like anyone. I do was a little bit disappointed with other candidates, especially the male candidates, who never really brought it up. So it's Biden, still. I think Biden. Sorry, did. I did Biden bring it up? I might have uh, missed that, but in the end, it was not I, very. No, it wasn't him that brought up the issue, but he said something very, really serious that was uh, cheered in the crowd. That was saying that people on the non-disclosure agreements with Bloomberg should be freed up to talk whatever their mind was. And yeah, but I'm, yeah, of course. But I mean, like, I mean more like um, the sexism itself. I mean, if it's such yeah. a hot issue, you have to have a strong, you have to have a strong stance on it. If you are, if you are a president foul, and it's especially important for the Democratic candidates, you have to, you have to show that as well. But especially st- even there, it's still controversial. I think they don't want to, they don't, yes. not everyone wants to speak out on it. Hey, but I'm sure. We- Amy Klobuchar used the line that, I mean, Hillary Clinton kind of used it, which is uh, the solution for sexism is vote for a woman for president, which is, I mean, yeah. it's something that looks very well in a crowd like that. But, I mean, it's a good line, but it's not really true. I yeah, mean, I want, and I want to see how this develops further. I want to see very strong stances on it. And I'm sure when the Democratic Party, I mean, maybe not, they now assume, look, we, every one of us, maybe except Mike Bloomberg, but every one of us stands a little bit the same on this, so we don't really have to mention it a lot. But when, um, which I personally believe is a weak argument because you have to show this right now. But later on, when the real election comes up, when there is a Democratic candidate who fights uh, Donald Trump, I hope this becomes a very big issue because it are, whatever you think of it, even if you think it's a little bit exaggerated, the whole theme, and even if, I mean, you can you can say that for some things. I mean, you can say that's that some of the fear that leads to well, not always justifiable accusations, but in the end, it is a very important theme. And some of the uh, presentations about women, how they are being, uh, how they are being labeled, how they are being seen, that that is that is worrisome. And if you have a U.S. president who has a history of using that kind of words, of that kind of phrase, phrases you have to have a very strong stance on that and the democratic nomination the whole campaign is also an opportunity to, to develop your words on that to already start 
debating on it, to already start preparing on how you're going to approach it when you are in a debate with Donald Trump and when he has this whole, I'm not listening to you, I'm just going, wham, this is my this is my say on it, that you still have to show to the American people, look, you're choosing, not just a sex, that you're just showing, some, you're choosing someone who has no respect for any other person at all, woman or female. But the thing is that uh, those, lines, those lines were used already in the last in the last election from Hillary Clinton. I mean, there were some the 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 tape, the grab that grab them by the pussy tape was exactly. used was used uh, over and over again on ads and didn't work. I don't think it's going to work to to beat Trump on uh -huh. those issues. I mean, it's important to talk about it. Definitely, but I don't. I don't think it's a killer issue for Trump. I believe that in the last elections, that it was it was by the media portrayed but I don't still don't believe that by the candidates in this case Hillary Clinton it was really used well that she had a really strong response in it. It's, it's not. It's enough, and that's what I'm trying to say. It's not enough just. To, it's not just enough to say, look, this is this is a bad thing. The U.S. president says you have to have a strong argument. You have to have a response response prepared for when he starts using these kinds of words that you immediately can go uh, that you can immediately go on top of it that you immediately grab him uh, when where it hurts and and that's that's not happening this is the opportunity to start showing that to make a little bit of a little bit of a campaign around that to start convincing people look this is a big issue we cannot ignore it and i'm sure there are many many i'm sure there are many voters who are tired of it who don't care about it at all even in the democratic party but this is an opportunity to uh, to make that case heard, and it will. And we already know by now. We and the Republicans might even look forward to it for some uh, for a little bit for for to some extent. But we already know that during the presidential campaign itself, for the for the real for the real for the real deal, that it will be that it will come back. And if you don't have an answer prepared, it will be again very disappointing and leading up maybe even to a Trump victory. So I was a little bit disappointed on that, but I do think that Warren uh, had a very strong opening on that. So I hope that might lead up to uh, more, more, more interesting and heated debates on this topic. Uh, enough about sexism, because I'm sure it will come back uh, later on in the, in the next debate or campaign. Um, another very important team, Andre, and that's something the candidates keep repeating, not only during this debate, but also during their own campaigns. Who is the most electable? Who is the most electable candidate and who is most realistic to, to be able to defeat Trump? I mean, that's a re that's a silver lining almost in any campaign, especially for the Bloomberg and for, um, for, Mike, for uh, Joe Biden. Who do you believe is the most electable candidate and why? For now, uh, I would say Biden, though Biden is not as good in polls, uh, and uh, at least in the, in, in the democratic election or democratic primary, is not very well placed, but he's uh, definitely the best on polls in swing states versus Trump. And I think Biden is very good because he can um, wake, awake that coalition that brought Trump, brought um, Obama to the White House, that coalition of high turnout of minority people, uh, white working class, middle class, I think moderates, some moderates going to Obama, it was a big story. So I think Biden can, uh, can do it. Uh, I, I doubt a bit more on Sanders and Bloomberg. Bloomberg because he's... Um, uh, I mean, he's not a very likable person, I think, in, politically at least. Uh, and I, I also think he's not going to get the, the Democratic nomination, though I think he would be a good president and we can go on that later. But um, I think Bloomberg is not a very politically likable person. He's like a moderate, a multi-billionaire. He's not, um, I, I don't think he would do very well against Trump. And and plus, he, he, if he if he wins, uh, he would come with a baggage of buying the Democratic Party, and that wouldn't look very well. Uh, and Sanders, uh, my argument against Sanders is, uh, or against Sanders' electability, is that is um, he uh, comes from a fringe, and uh, I wouldn't say he's radical, but. Uh, he is quite uh, well. He is a very radical candidate. I mean, um, 
economically speaking, these plans are almost revolutionary. And I think when the economy is so good as it is now, I don't think people will risk it. It's another issue if uh, we are going to a recession and people uh, are in a worse economic situation. But if people are decently well as they are right now with salaries increasing and employment in uh, record low, I don't think they will risk senders. Okay, that's a very interesting point to make. But uh, of course, it's important as well to define the word uh, electability or ele being electable. But um, let's say, let's because you started with Joe Biden. Let let's let's talk about him. I mean, he is he. If you choose him, if he becomes the next, if he becomes uh, the Democratic nominee for the presidency, what what will be different under Joe Biden than under Donald Trump? The approach will be different. He's a much more likable guy, the character, but nothing very revolutionary will change in the economy, in the society, in in whatsoever. I mean, it will be mostly changes in the margins of U.S. politics. And if if that if that's the case, and you have a very good functioning economy at the moment, and the job and there are many more jobs than ever before, and there is less unemployment than ever before, why would you then go for Joe Biden if nothing will change? Why don't you just then go for the president who already did a good job? Um, yes, because because Trump I, is not very likable by many people. That that's the thing. I mean, the numbers are good for the, the Trump uh, for Trump. The numbers are very good in terms of the economy, in terms of jobs, economic growth, stock market. But uh, he, he keeps not being a very likable person for many moderates and people. I get that. I get that, uh, Andre. I get that. But he's but not a likable guy. But and he knows that he's not lying on that during his campaign. Even as his president, he's not. He's never said he is a likable guy but he he is saying look you, you might this you might you might you might you might be disgusted about me you might you might not like me but if you don't choose me it will be again a democratic a democratic candidate and all those problematic situations as i was war, war, what i was warning you about before might happen again and at least i have now a track record of showing that things can go go better so why would you go with a more likable guy who doesn't do anything uh, revolutionary in terms of change, but might bring that whole kind of bad politics back, yes, what you didn't but, like. But because he's very associated with the Obama years, because he was the number two and vice president, and the things also went relatively well with Obama, and the, he picked the country in a recession, and when he left, there was economic growth that Trump built on. So, sure, uh, sure, but I still believe... Well, when, people, when... people might say, we, we like as, as things... Were, were good, are good with Trump, but things were decently good with Obama as well, and he's much a likable guy. But voters don't have that kind of memory, I believe, Andre. I don't believe that voters think like, look, look, um, Obama things went well as well, and Joe Biden was there too, let's just go again for Joe Biden. Now they have a president who, uh, who does well, and you have a choice between choosing such a president who's maybe not likable or, or a new candidate, Who's not changing anything at all? Kind of a middle candidate, and then personally, I don't see the difference between choosing Obama or Mitt Romney, for example. So, what what is the difference here? I mean, despite that, uh, Obama is much more likable, of course, but I don't see the difference. I mean, Trump is polarizing in his own field. He has he has an identity to show for, and I don't see. I that's the whole reason why I think Joe Biden isn't that electable at all. And that's why I'm very interesting, act, interested actually in uh, Bernie Sanders because he is po he's a polarizing figure as well. We discussed that before, but you know the saying, you fight fire with fire. So Bernie Sanders might actually be the remedy. He is indeed, he is having this whole revolutionary idea, but he is also a very different system. And that's the same kind of field Trump was running on. And then you are actually giving an alternative. With Joe Biden, you go back to the system that people were tired of, that people were um, that people were frustrated with. But both Sanders and Trump, you're, vote, you're voting for a completely revolutionary kind of change. Yes, but I, I'm not sure. I mean, there were in the past many candidates that, that represented that revolutionary change, and not all all of them won. And I think Bernie Sanders, I mean, his changes are quite radical and I don't think people want to risk it. Definitely. No, I'll, uh, th this topic. I mean, if you are, I mean, it's not just the issue of the, the, the insurance. I mean, there are so many. I mean, and, and plus, sure. there will be 
don't forget that there will be non-stop media and ad attacks on on Sanders. And yes, plus, and, and as Europeans, we also have to be careful. We like Bernie Sanders because within the European context, he would fit in really well. But in U.S. like you in the U.S. context, it's very different. But still, yeah, and as you said, as you said, you said it in the beginning, he, he, he has that socialist brand that hurts him, and I completely agree. True, 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 but. Again, uh, the socialism, like the socialism party or the socialism <laughs> ideology, also always had a big following in the United States as well. So yeah. it's, it's uh, as you said in the beginning, it is uh, it, it 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 might hurt him more than than it helps him in the in the national campaign. Or I mean, against completely true andre completely true uh this is a very important topic we will debate uh, later on i think i in my opinion i think trump as an as an incumbent yes yes he's the favorite he's the is the i mean he's the favorite to win any anyway because normally incumbents win but i think from all of them i think biden is better placed to to get that coalition that uh, bring put obama in the white house and win the election very true. Well, very true. I don't know, that, but we will definitely discuss. We will definitely discuss that later on because this topic will be uh, present uh, later on. And when we have to nominee, we still have to probably debate if he is elect, if he or she is electable, uh, electable at all. We will talk about that later on, Andre. Uh, we have very little time left. I do want to talk with you about Saturday when the Nevada caucus is coming up. Uh, tell us a little bit how it will happen and evolve. What do you expect? First of all, it will be a caucus again. And we had the caucus in Iowa, and the first thing to to we, we need to know is will there be problems again? Because the 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 the, the result for the Iowa caucus, I don't think it is even completely settled, and which is a shame for the Democratic Party. So in Nevada, uh, it will be a caucus again. There will be the the same app because they hired an app to monitor the situation. The app didn't work apparently. It, at least it was one of the 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 justifications. So the first thing to know is like will everything go okay? Because if it doesn't, it's really serious. And the, the second thing uh, for Nevada, I have to say for now, there is unlike other contests, there is a night turnout. Uh, I think almost record turnout for this Nevada Democratic Caucus, which is very important for Democrats, and they must be very happy that this election is bringing enthusiasm. Well, definitely. But uh, what I'm, of course, very interested in, I mean, when we look at the polls, Bernie Sanders is the big favorite for the Nevada caucus. Uh, we have to see how that will turn out, of course. Um, but what I am most even more interested in is the Latino vote and the Latino share in yes. Nevada. Is but very apparently, apparently, Bernie Sanders is getting all this Latino vote. Exactly. He's getting all this Latino vote, and uh, according to all polls, he's going to win Nevada relatively comfortably. And we have to see, of course, how big the turnout will be among the Latino voters. But in the whole U.S. elections, the big, the big sleeping giant is the Latino vote. The, the turnout has never been that big, but they always say, "Look, who can ever, whoever can reach the Latino voters, might become president for the next well hundreds of years as a party." And it's not even sure that Latinos will definitely vote for the for the Democrats. They have a very different history than, for example, the black community has in uh, the United States. But yes, definitely. I'm 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 very interested and curious if Bernie Sanders can, well, get this Latino vote to the polls massively and see and see uh, and vote for him. If that happens, that might even be even more revolutionary than Bernie Sanders himself in the House. That might mean that a whole new generation of them, uh, Latino voters has chosen for the Democratic Party. We will see. I mean, Reagan called Latinos uh, Republicans who didn't knew they were Republicans. And I think it is kind of true because I think they can uh, go to other uh, in the future. To go, Many of them can go Republican. And I think that was very close to happen with George W. Bush. I'm not sure about it. If I don't think he won the Latino vote, but I think it was close, relatively close at least. I think with Trump, I think... Things were, I mean, this this progressive, um, the progressive uh, movement of Latino voters to the Republican to the Republican Party was halted 
but we will see in the future if 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 they will go Republican or at least if many of them will go Republican. I think it is a, it will be in the future a key swing voter, a voter that go, goes to the center that cares a lot about uh, that. Uh, many people think Latino voters only care about immigration. I don't, I don't think it's true. I think many of them care about jobs, care care about uh, small businesses and so on. So I think. Uh, Republicans in the future can build on that. On this election, I think... Uh, oh, definitely, definitely uh, Andre, and, and that's a very important thing you're saying. I mean, many care more about the economy and about the jobs than about the migration thing. I mean, many yeah. of them are actually quite conservative even, and I'm not talking because they're just because they're religious and, and they are conservative on social issues. I don't know if even if that's way more than among other uh, demographics, but you do see that many Many of the of the Latino voters think like, look, we in America, we also see the problem of migration. We also see that if more and more millions of other people come in from wherever they come from, not just from Latin American countries, but from wherever they come from, uh, that that might hurt the job market as well. And they know and realize that uh, realize this as well. And that's why, of course, that um, the Republicans might just as much capitalize upon them uh, upon this or among this voter share uh, as the as democrats do i mean i remember jeb bush who uh, jeb bush who has his um, who who doesn't seem to be like a big figure among any minority but with his i believe his mexican wife he he collected a lot of um, a lot of voters um, latino voters in america so i think that indeed, like you said, that might be a, current, a turning key for upcoming elections. But we keep saying that like every election in the United States, every every kind of election coming up. So I'm still waiting for that to, to happen. Andre, we were going to discuss uh, Nevada more in detail when the results are in after Saturday. Yes. I want to thank you. I want to thank you so much for your time again for this okay. for making this podcast. I will see you. Uh, I will talk with you again on the next podcast. And again, thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye.